All right, well, good morning. Good to see everybody. Uh, it was a good day yesterday. I got a cut in my hand. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that. I was going to come in with a sling. Got a cut. Um, I don't even know how I did it. It just happened. It's working so hard, I guess. Um, no, it was really a good, di- good time yesterday, fun time, a lot of food, uh, some good food. Uh, but the coolest thing for me is I didn't have to do anything. I wasn't in charge. People came to me, asked me questions. I don't know. Ask Stan. Ask Clark. It was wonderful. Um, another funny kind of thing that happened was uh, I was sitting on the back of my truck. I had been working, just took a break. Jeez. Um, and I was loading up some logs and stuff, and there was a guy who came who was not part of our church. One of our guys invited him. And so he and I were just kind of talking. He was helping me with it, and uh, we were just talking. He, now, he didn't know who I am. I mean, he knew my name, but he didn't know how I was. So we're sitting there talking and stuff. Well, his buddy came up, the guy from our church, and he's like, hey, um, so we're going to go dump everything. Uh, do you want to go with us, or do you want to stay here with the pastor? <laughs> he goes, <laughs> the guy goes, I'll go with you. <laughs> So, freaked him right out. He wasn't, he's like, hey, this guy's pretty nice. He's a normal guy. Oh, he's a pastor. <laughs> he's a freak. Let's get out of here. Anyways, so, no, we had a good time. And thanking the Lord for uh, people that are stepping up and doing ministry. And uh, Clark thinks I have some sort of magical ability to have, have people step up and do ministry. Um, so, I've said, hey, it's a special gift that I'm giving to you. You can now go out and do that as well with others. So, it was exciting. Good stuff. So let me ask you uh, a question or two. I kind of like to start out my messages this way, get you guys thinking. Don't, don't answer out loud, just think about it. Your daughter or granddaughter comes up to you one day and says, hey, I, I really think I need to be a boy. What's your response going to be to that? Or you're, you're working with somebody and your coworker says, to you, hey, I'm going to be transitioning into a, a woman. How are you going to handle that? Should that time come? Because here's the deal. This question, this issue, this struggle is happening more and more and more. And it's pushing itself into the safe little place we call church. It's pushing itself into your lives, into my lives. In my life, more, more and more people um, I know are dealing with it, um, you know, just with, in my family, in a sense of dealing with people who are going through that. Uh, Hagen, for instance, has a friend that he's talking with and hanging out with and <clears throat> who's transitioning from, is working through the whole struggle of transitioning from a, a girl to a boy. Um, but more and more this is happening. It used to be something that Years ago, up until about 10 years ago, something that was more predominant in boys, uh, but in the last 10 years is exponentially growing amongst girls. There's a study done in, uh, in England uh, where they found that in the last 10 years, primarily due to social media is what they're thinking, as well as culture itself, you know, cheering them on, that it, girls are now wanting to transition to boys and that has increased 4,400% in the last 10 years. 4,400%. I can't even do the math on that. But that's what's happening. And it's not just in the United Kingdom. It's here in our, in our world. It's here in northwest Ohio. It's in small town northwest Ohio. I have a friend of mine who's got a, 
a son going into kindergarten this year. And so they had an interview with the child, with his son. Parents couldn't be in that meeting, by the way. Whatever. Um, I don't think my child would be in an interview. But anyways, so uh, I think my friend, knowing my friend, he did it and he was fine with it because he wanted to see what was going to happen. So one of the questions, amongst a bunch of other ones, one of the questions that they asked his son is, are you a boy or a girl? This is right here, small town America. I'm not going to give you the town, but small town America, school staff sitting with this child and asking that question. Now understand, in culture, that's a fair question, right? And if you're sitting here going, "Ah, that's not a... Okay, back to truck up. You got to understand, this is the world we live in. So how are you going to respond? You know, we talked about the five solas, right? And the first one was Scripture alone. That we're going to, Scripture is our sole authority for faith, what we believe and practice, how we live. Here it is, people. Do we agree with what God's Word says? And are we going to respond the way God tells us to respond? Or are we going to respond the way we think we need to respond? Which, by the way, a lot of this has to do with how we think. And we think we know better than God, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But, so just uh, to finish the story, you know, what, you know how the kid answered? <laughs> that's a silly question. <laughs> you know? So that's why I think this dad figured I'm going to throw him in there because he's a lot like me. He'll give him a, that's a silly question. <laughs> so over the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about some of the cultural issues that are going on, the truths that we can't say anymore, supposedly. And... Um, but here's the deal. Let me, let me just kind of give you what, what the goal is going to be. Because I know a bunch of you guys may have come in knowing what we're going to talk about, and so you have maybe a preconceived idea of what I'm going to be doing. So I just want to uh, kind of give you the focus of what we're doing. So number one, uh, I'm not going to go into all, all the arguments against this issue. And today we're speaking about transgender culture. So I, and any other, cult, other things we talk about. I'm not going to go into the huge arguments as to why that's wrong. Because I don't want to, it's not, it's not my responsibility or your responsibility to go around and blast people, win a debate, get up on Facebook. Oh. <laughs> um, that's, not what, that's not what we're here for as Christians. Um, I'm also not going to get into all the reasons why somebody would want to change their gender. And the reason why I'm not going to do that is because depending on the person, it will depend on why they're doing it. I mean, why do, you, why do you live the life you live? Why do you make the choices that you make? Why do you choose to do things, or why do I choose to do things that I want to do rather than what God wants me to do? Why is that? There's a whole bunch of different reasons. So it doesn't do me any good to come up and give you a bunch of different reasons. I'm not going to give you a plan for how to win culture back, to get back to the good old days, <laughs> when we didn't have to deal with all this. <laughs> when we could just get up in the morning, go to work, and have a good time, and come to church, and sing, and feel good, and walk out the door, and didn't have all this other stuff that we had to... If you want, one of the ways you can relieve some of that stress is stop watching the news. Um, or maybe another way of doing it is maybe don't just watch the news you see on TV, but get some alternative news because things are going on and we're not hearing the truth from the mainstream media, the legacy media, or whatever the different things, lamestream media, some people call it. Um, you know, we're not getting the truth. 
So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at these issues and say, okay, how do, how do we as Christians, how do you as a Christian, how do I as a Christian, we who follow Christ, how do we respond to those that God puts in our lives? All right. So if you hear this morning, you're a Christian, what you should be doing is taking notes. Okay, because I'm going to give you some things that we need to be doing in order to respond to those in our lives who are going through this or they know somebody who's going through it and they're coming to us for thoughts and advice. Um, because again, it's not about changing the culture. It's about introducing somebody to Christ who wants to transform their life, who wants to free them from the sin that's in their life just like the sin that's in our lives. And we have that responsibility. We have that privilege to do that. And so that's what we're going to be doing um, over this next several weeks. Pretty much what we do every week, but it just in this situation. So let me just give you some perspective. I appreciate Clark uh, praying for those who are in Afghanistan, also in Nigeria. I don't know if you heard, but um, it was 100 and, um, 120 kids from a Baptist school in Nigeria were kidnapped by Islamic terrorists. And um, they've now taken them, and uh, 40 of them, thank the Lord, were able to either, they were released or escaped. Uh, 80 are still, as far as we know, in captivity. And what the, the terrorists are going to do is they're going to ransom them. They're going to use them as sex slaves, or they're going to use them as straight slaves to do the work for them. And they'll probably try to turn some of them and turn them into terrorists. Christians, as far as we know, they're kids, but Christians. We have people in Afghanistan, Christians in Afghanistan, both American and Afghani, who are in their homes right now waiting for a knock on the door. Not going, excuse me, um, do you have this sin in your life? Or do you have that sin in your life? Or have you sung today? No, they're saying, are you a Christian? And if the person says yes, they're killed. Now the news isn't telling you all that, right? The news, as I've been hearing it, they're saying they're going door to door to let them know you're safe now, we're in charge. No, that's not why they're going door to door. Not, necess- not for Christians, and not for those who have helped the United States. They're going there to find those people. If they have a, a Bible app on their phone, they're taking the phone and beating the person or killing the person. We're sitting here in this nice building with the air conditioning, having most of us had breakfast, and if you didn't, you could have. Just chose not to, because or too difficult or <laughs> whatever, or you just don't like to have breakfast in the morning. You drove over in your nice car. And here's what God's asking us. Would you be willing? Will you follow Christ? Will you live life the way Christ lived it? Because after all, you're saying you're a Christ one, you're a follower of Christ. Will you walk with people that I put into your life who are struggling with the issues of life? Will you walk with them? Will you have conversations with them? Will you find out what's going on in your life? How, how is this issue, this issue you're dealing with, not just a transgender issue, any issue? You know, what, what's going on? How can I help you? Let me tell you about who I've given my life to and the difference that's made in my life. I'm not saying this is a week-long thing. This is walking with somebody. Month after month, potential year after year. Because God's going to put people in your life. Okay? And, and here's the deal. 
a week from now, two weeks from now, this is what's going to happen, because this happens a lot. I'm going to get a phone call from you. <laughs> Pastor, um, this is, you know, so-and-so's in my life, and they're asking about transgender stuff. What do I do? So what do you think I'm going to tell you to do? Two weeks ago, because I'm busy, you know, I, I just, I can't. You know, so uh, two weeks ago, I just talked about it. Go back and, and find it. No, I'm gonna, no, I'll probably say that, but I'll be also nice and just, uh, try to give you some information. But I'll guarantee you, if you don't already know somebody in your life who's dealing with this or has somebody in their life dealing with it, God's going to put somebody in your life because this is what Christians do. This is what we do. This is what we're supposed to be doing. Fortunately, at this point, we don't have anybody knocking on our doors wanting to kill us. He just wants us to sacrifice our little safe sterilized Christianity and get into the dirt and get into the struggle just like Jesus. Jesus lived this life by having spiritual relationships with people who then would turn to him and then he could heal them physically, more importantly spiritually, give them spiritual life, be with them through the life, through the Holy Spirit, and then take them to heaven one day. Now we have that responsibility and privilege. That's, that's, our, that's why we're here. And if you're here this morning, you're a, you're a, you call yourself a Christian, and you're like, eh, this isn't. Okay. Then I would say you're not following Christ. Because this is what Christ did. And, and this is where Jesus says, I, I want you to have the joy, John 17, that they may have the, my joy and my joy complete. Well, the joy comes only when we do life Jesus' way. If we don't do life Jesus' way, we will not have the joy of Jesus. I mean, it's just kind of a, like I'm a really down-to-earth practical person, right? I'm not really intellectual in all these concepts. Hagen and I will have these conversations. Hagen goes into this, you know, concepts, and was like, can we bring this back to, you know, wherever it's the road? Um, that's good for some people. But for me, I'm just kind of, okay, how does this operate? So Jesus says, you want my joy? Then do life my way. Get into the dirt with people, to the struggle with people. Wrestle with that. Experience how inadequate we really are. As we talk with people, we don't really know how to respond to them. And then experience God giving us the words, because we're in his word, and the strength to say what we need to say, to give the love that we need to give and to allow our reputation to be soiled and dirty just like his was. That's, that's where the joy is. And if you do it, you'll know what I'm talking about, and you'll want to do it more, because that's what it's all about. Anyways, so, okay. Now for the message. We're going we're gonna to look at two things this morning. The first one is the truth we can't say. And again, I've already talked about it. We're going to be talking about the the transgender uh, culture, but it's not just the transgender culture. I, I wanna, I'm going to broaden it out because I don't want us to just kind of focus in on um, these individuals because they're just like us, and I'll explain that in a bit. And then the truth we must share. So what is it that we need to share with these individuals? So the, the first is the truth we can't say again, is that there's only two sexes, only two genders. So that's the truth that we are no longer able to say. We, we are supposed to affirm those who say, I don't believe who I was born as is who I should remain being. Um, and so we need to affirm that. All the counseling, secular counseling that's going on, the school counseling that's going on, and 
probably some Christian counseling that's going on. It's not biblical counseling. We'll also affirm this. We can only affirm. We can't say it's wrong. We can't say it's not how we should be doing. We can only affirm it. And in affirmation, when we do that, is then we say, oh, how can we help you accomplish that without causing as much, maybe, issues in your life? That's all that, that that's for, or all that they're going to do. But here's a problem. Scientifically speaking, and biblically speaking, there are only two sexes. <laughs> we can't, the, the truth is the truth, all right? Two plus two is four. Um, so there are only two. There's X, you know, chromosomes, Y chromosomes, and, and there's body parts that go along with being a male, what we call a male, what we call a female. And, and so that's, that's what it is. Now, there are those who are what they call intersex, and then that is the person who has an extra Y or an extra um, X chromosome, and they may have um, partially developed aspects of them that's of the opposite sex that they were born um, but as I've done research, of course, that's a really small percentage. And then 99% of the people who have that, of that small percentage, 99% are obviously a male or a female. You know, it's not like, oh, I really got a very few. They may have to say, the parents may have to say, no, we're going to go one way or another. Other than that, it's, it's obvious, okay? So that's one of the arguments that's out there. And so just look up the percentages and all that kind of stuff. So with a person who believes that they need to change the sex they were born, this becomes a belief. This becomes a feeling. And we've got to understand that. We've got to realize we're dealing with somebody on that level. It's a, it's a, it's a feeling. It's, a, it's a, a belief. And just because we believe something doesn't necessarily make it true. This, we know as Christians that this belief is contrary to God's word. This is not what God's word says. It's not what science says. But here's where I'm going to back the truck up a little bit. Here's where I'm going to hit all of us. Anytime we think we know better than God how we should live our lives and then make choices that way, we are all what the Bible calls sinning. So even we who place our faith in Christ and God's forgiven us of our sins, we still make that choice every day. And there's a lot of us, including myself, where there are times where there's a choice to be made one way or another. And I'm gonna, I decide, no, I think I know better than God because I feel this way. Kim, rarely, but Kim frustrates me. Well, the Bible tells me to, to love her sacrifice for her and forgive her and respond to her the way she needs me to respond. But there are times where I'm feeling like, no, it's probably better for me to kind of crank down at this point. That's me thinking contrary to God and sinning. Especially then if I go on and crank down on it. Rip her, yell at her, call her a name, which we don't do that. I usually just shut my mouth and stew for about five hours. And, you know. <laughs> I didn't say anything. What? What? I didn't say anything. Yeah, you said a whole lot, Harold, when you sat there and... Hmm. Yeah. Where's my chocolate chip cookies? You know, I feel better. So a, tra a, a transgender person is just somebody who's looking at life and whatever the reason is that's causing them to do that. I mean, what's the reason why you or I choose to do life our way and not God's way? What is it? Well, it could be any number of things, right? I... I you know, depending on the person in here will depend on what the reason is. Same thing with a transgender person. They're not all doing it because of 
one thing that's depending on who they are. And so it doesn't really get, we don't need to get into the details of that, certainly not this morning. Hopefully it's something you come to terms as you're talking with somebody and they feel free to open up because they're sensing God loves them through your expression to them and that they begin to open up and they start sharing some things. And then in that sharing, they start going, oh, wait, I can see why maybe I'm, you know, but here this morning, we're not going to take it. It's just, it's just what they do. It's what we do. We all, we're all sinners. And so we can't look at them and go, oh, they're strange. You're weird. No, if that is the case, then we're all weird. We're all strange because we all do it in our lives. Just in one way or another, in one area or another, we go down one road or another. Now, if there's any difference with the, the um, transgender uh, culture is that culture saying, way to go, let's do this, come on, let's go. Where let's just say a person looks at life a certain way, experiences certain things in life, and they say, well, the way I need to get out of this is to go to alcohol and drugs. Let's just say that, because that's one of the roads a person can go down. Nobody really that I know of, except maybe another person who's doing drugs and alcohol, are going, way to go, yeah, go get sauced. Yeah, that's good. You know, no, no one's really encouraging that, but with the trans culture, that's what's happening in our culture. We can't say that they're, no. So what do we, what do, we do as Christians? How is, should we respond as God places people into our lives who are dealing with, or they know people who are dealing with, how are we going to respond? And so here's, Here's the big thing that we need to get across, that we need to ask God to help us get across to a person who's in the transgender culture or any other person in our life who's struggling with any kind of way of dealing with life in their own way. Okay? And that's this. We have great worth. Not because I say it. <laughs> Not because I'm telling myself that. Because of what God has done. So in Genesis 127, and so I'm going to get off my stool here because it's until the 9 o'clock service I'm going to start preaching now. Um, ooh, just got a knot in my back. Um, it says this, God created man. So this is Genesis right at the beginning, right when the world started. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Now, just if you're reading the Bible, uh, we're always trying to help people, you know, and get something out of it. Why do you think he's repeated himself? Why did he say it once? Emphasis. It's primarily emphasis. He wants us, get this, you guys. God created a man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So man, speaking in generality, anthropos, it's the, you know, mankind. He created them in his image, male and and female. Created, not evolved. If we're evolved, we're a mistake or we're just a happen chance. And if we're evolved, everybody do what everybody wants to do because we're the one in charge of our life. And, and we're seeing our world be destroyed by people who think that they've been evolved, who think they know better than anybody else how life should be done. You can't tell them anything. Unfortunately, a lot of times we <laughs> operate that way, but we're, we're not evolved. We're not a mistake. We're created. We're a special creation of God. We're not an animal. 
We're not on the same level as animals. You and I are not dogs. Dogs are not human. Please understand where I'm going. I know we love our dogs. Some of us love our dogs. They're very special to us. I get that. But please, under, please hear this. Because if you start putting animals on the same level of, as humans, listen, Jesus Christ, God the Son, did not put on dog flesh and die on a cross for dogs. Sounds weird. He didn't even put on angel flesh and die on a cross for angels. When the angels said, hey, we're going to go with Satan, he did, there was no way for them to get rid of that sin. They're stuck in it for eternity. He put it on human flesh. He became man. We're special. Man, we cannot, we can't lose that fact. So, that's a penny. Both of those are pennies. How much is that worth? Yeah, or a cent, right? So, one cent. But wait a second. This one is old, 1941. It's dingy, it's, it's gross, it's, actually Abe has a little bit of a different look on his face, but he just, you know, it's, it's, it's gross, it's ugly, it's probably been stepped on, somebody probably picked it off the ground after a car ran over it several times, maybe even had gum stuck on the backside of it just to, for fun to try to mess with people. So that can't be a, that can't be a scent, because it's all beat up and gross, right? It's got to have lost its value. And this one is so shiny, it's newer, 2009. It's, it's, it's got to be a scent because it's so shiny, it's so nice. No, they're both a scent. Why? Why do we know that or how do we know that? Because it's got Abe's picture on it. His image is on it. And no matter how beat up that penny gets or how shiny the penny can get, it's still a scent because it's got Abe's image on it. We have the image of God on us, whether we're a Christian or not. Every human being who exists on this planet, ever existed and will exist, has the image of God on them. They are special. They are valuable. Those of us who have placed our faith in Christ, we just happen to be the ones at this point who have placed our faith in Christ. But everybody is valuable to God. Everyone has great worth to God. We're created in His image. In other words, we're able to speak. We're able to have emotion. We're, we're able to reason. We're able to make choices. We're, we're designed so we can have a relationship with God and with others. Dogs can't have a relationship with God. Cats can't have a relationship with God. A fish can't have a relationship with God. They bring glory to God, but not like us. Because we can have a relationship. We can talk with Him. We can have emotion we're like him with purpose. He's created us for purpose, that we would care for the things that he's given us. First and foremost, our own bodies, our own spirits, who we are. We don't want somebody to go down the road of alcohol and drugs. Why? Because they're hurting themselves. They're destroying themselves. A person who's going out having sex with everybody he wants or she wants, they're hurting themselves. And a person who's thinking they need to change their sex or gender, that it's going to end up hurting them. And God doesn't want that. And so we have a responsibility to, 
to take care of what it is that God's given us. And then we're supposed to represent him. And so we, we're supposed to represent him to other people. And so again, we don't want people making choices contrary to God's word because then we're not representing the right God to them. So some try to get around this and say, well, yeah, I'm biologically a male, but my gender is female or vice versa. But you can't do that. We're, we're a unit. God created them male in all aspects and female in all aspects. So in Psalm 139, it says this, For you, God, formed my inward parts. That word inward actually means kidney, but it's, it's a poem. So he's, he's trying to go past that into kind of who we are, the spiritual side of us. You wove me in my mother's womb. Just imagine sitting with somebody who's never heard this and say, did you know when you were being, when you were conceived and you were being formed inside your mom that God was in there? He had his hands in there working that. I will give thanks to you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well. My frame. So now it's the physical. So the physical part of us is is born the way it's supposed to be born. The bones. It was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, your eyes have seen my unformed substance. What makes, what, uh, what makes me up? You know, what, what, who, who am I as a, as a person? My identity. And in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me. There's my purpose. Everybody's got a purpose. I mean, imagine sitting with somebody who feels like they don't have any purpose. You know, again, some people may be changing because they don't feel like as a girl they have a purpose. And they, so maybe being a boy, because they've seen that in their life where a boy seems to have more purpose. You know, I don't know. I, when as yet there was not one of them. And so God's been working in us. When he was forming us, it's not, it is who it is. It's a male or it's a female. Let's go on to the next. So the author of Hebrews says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, that's the spiritual, of both joints and marrow, the physical, and able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. So again, we're, we're a unit. We're, we are um, bones and flesh, but we're spirit. We're both. It's connected. It's, it's one unit. And then Paul says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Your whole being. And may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a complete unit. And that's how God wants us to re remain. See, feelings um, are a result of, of our perspective on life. What we think about what we see with our eyes is how we will feel. So if something's good happening, we're going to feel good. If something bad's happening, we're going to feel bad. And then we start thinking about how do I correct that feeling? If it's a long-term thing, how do I correct that? And so then we start going down the wrong road because then we're talking to people who think like us and so then they're going to help us continue down the road that we shouldn't be going down. But we have worth because we're created in God's image. And so those that are created in God's image, that means God loves every one of us. We know it from Scripture. God says, I love all people. And then we get an understanding of how much he loves us. So how much 
does God love us? Let me just throw a picture up. I think is that the next thing up? Oh, no, go, go back. We'll do the verse first. So it says this in Ephesians, in him or in Jesus, we have redemption. In other words, we're bought back from our sinful way of thinking and responding through his blood, the forgiveness of trespasses, which is just sins like wrong thinking, which then causes us to respond wrongly according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. And so this is going back to the penny. It doesn't matter how bad we think we are. It doesn't matter how bad other people have told us we are, and therefore we're thinking the same way. It doesn't matter. Any of that doesn't matter. What matters is that God created us, and he lavished his grace on us. That's like a fire hose. Just an infinity amount. It doesn't matter what you think or how bad you think you are. God loves you, God cares for you, and Jesus Christ bought you with his blood. So, uh, this picture is a Picasso. Uh, okay, whatever. Um, I can make a joke about some artwork that's being presented nowadays. But anyways, um, I won't go political. Anyways, um, so that's Picasso. Anybody know how much that Picasso, I wasn't going to give you the name because I couldn't pronounce it. Anybody know how much that Picasso is worth? Actually, it's, it's, it's worth as much as you're willing to pay for it. Right? It's a Picasso, so you tell me how much you're willing to pay for it. Now, I, might, I got that penny. <laughs> I might pay, because that's ugly, but that's besides the point. No, it, anything is worth as much as somebody's willing to pay for it. Now, that one happened to go for $150,000. It was in someone's closet for five years. He didn't know what he had. Sold it at auction, $150,000. But here's the, here's the deal. Because God created us and created that person who's sitting across the table from us who's considering transgender culture and lifestyle, because he loves that person so much, because he loves you and me so much, he was willing to pay with his life. Man, that doesn't make somebody feel... Wow, I am loved. We're not talking money here. We're talking blood. We're talking life. So God the Son became human, became man, representing us. We're, he redeemed us. He bought us back. We have incredible worth. See, here's the, here's the truth of it, is that, again, our thinking too often is how we think. And when we think our way and when we act our way, that's what the Bible calls sin. That sin has caused us to be separated from God and needs to be removed for us then to be accepted by God. So God loves us so much that he died for us, but then to be accepted in the sense of having that relationship restored, that sin needs to be removed. This happened all the way back with Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, what did they do? God says, don't do this. And they were like, okay, but I really want to do this. Don't do this, don't, you know, do this, don't do that. But I want to, I want to do this. And so then what did they do? They, they looked at it, the, the, the fruit, and they considered it. And then they were like, hey, that looks pretty good. I know what God said about it, but it looks really good. And then they took it and they ate it. That's, again, we all do that. 
So it's not unusual, it's very usual. And so that makes us all separated from God. And if we continue down that road, every one of us, if we continue down that road, we're going to hurt ourselves. We're going to hurt ourselves, we're going to hurt somebody else. But God loves us too much for us to hurt ourselves. And so he does what needs to be done. done. And that is, he puts on humanity and dies on the cross for our sins. He takes our eternal judgment. And now because of that, we are complete. We become who we were born to be, a male or a female in Christ. So Colossians chapter 2 says, For in him, again talking about Jesus, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. In other words, Jesus Christ is God the Son. He is God. So he's the only one who could die in our place, represent us, cover our sin, give us spiritual life. And in him you have been made complete. That Greek word means be crammed full. We are just crammed full. We are complete. We have everything we need. God created us, male and female, as a unit. He loved us so much, he didn't want us to continue down that road of thinking the way we think and acting the way we act, because that's just going to bring death and destruction to us and to our relationships. And so then he died for us, and when we accept that, he restores our relationship, places God and Holy Spirit in us, and now we are complete. We have returned to, in one sense, to where Adam and Eve were. Not that we're perfect, but that we are in right relationship with God like Adam and Eve were. And we are who God wants us to be. And then we go represent him to others. And so now that we're restored relationally, now we have God's Holy Spirit in us, Romans 12, 2, Paul tells us this. He says, now this is kind of a command, but in here is what can happen to us. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't think and respond like those without God, like we were doing before when we weren't, you know, a follower of Christ. So don't do that anymore. Don't think the way you used to think. Don't respond the way you used to respond now that you are a follower of Christ, been saved. But be transformed, be changed, live differently, do things differently, think differently. How? By the renewing of your mind. You have, a, you have to have a changed perspective. It's not that life's going to get necessarily any easier, but you're going, to have a, you're going to have God's perspective on it. You're going to understand, oh, that's why that's happening. One, because it's going to help me become more like Christ as I learn to do life God's way in, in the midst of the circumstance. But it's also going to be where I'm going to represent him to others. And so they can know as I deal with this issue and I deal with it God's way, and then God has, works in my life, they're going to be like, wow, how's that, how does that happen? How did you deal with that? Because I'm going through something very similar. And we can tell them what God has done for us. And so that you may prove what the will of God is, what he created you for. It's good, acceptable, it's perfect, exactly what you need to be. But we, we do that after we've come to Christ and then he starts renewing the way we think. He starts changing the way we think and the way our perspective of life is. And we start taking steps of faith and pretty soon he starts working in that. And, and then all of a sudden we see ourselves moving down. Not that we become perfect, but that we begin doing life his way for his purposes. He changes our way we think and we, our lives get back in track with what he wants. Real quick, let me end with this. 
I, you can take a picture of this if you want. You can come get these notes from me afterwards. Don't sit here and try to write all these down. But here's just some things that when we place our faith in Christ, even before, prior to, but when we place our faith in Christ, here are some things. So as you're talking to somebody and you're encouraging somebody and then walking with them and finding out more about their life and finding out why they're doing what they're doing, these are the things that you can present to them as if they would give their life to Christ. You're loved beyond compare. Now that's even before they come to Christ. They're loved beyond compare. When you place your faith in Christ, you're chosen, you're handpicked by God who created you, God before we were even born chose to save us, to save that person, to save you and me. We're forgiven. All of our sins, past, present, and future. We're set free. And we talked about being enslaved to sin. We're all that way prior to Christ. We're set apart. In other words, we have a, a different reason for living. We're God's own special possession. We're His. We're His child. We're irreplaceable. And we're secured for all eternity. We didn't deserve any of that. But God gave it to us in Christ. So as the band comes up, after all that, what are the takeaways? So quickly, here's what they are. Parents, grandparents, who's influencing your kids or grandkids? Do you even know? The average age of a child getting a cell phone not a flip phone, not a dial phone with a cord hanging on it attached to the wall. It's not a phone in the room anymore. Remember that day? You have fighting with your parents. I want a phone in my room. You're not going to have a phone in your room. You'll be up talking all night. Imagine what an eight-year-old can do all night with a cell phone. Eight years old, the average age for a kid to have a cell phone. Who's influencing your child, your grandchild? Are you ready to have that conversation when they, when they come to you? You know, kids looking on the internet and it says adults only. Are you an adult? Yeah. What's behind that? Yes. Do you know? Do you know what your kid's doing? Do you know what your grandkid's doing? Are you ready for the conversation? Are you modeling a godly lifestyle? Are you showing to your kids and grandkids what it means to truly be complete in who you are because of what Christ has done for you? Do they see a difference between your life or my life and everybody else in the world around them? Sadly, in a lot of Christians' homes, they're not seeing a difference. Christians' priorities for living are identical to a non-Christian's. And our kids and our grandkids are watching that. And then when they come to us say, hey, this or that... I want to do this, I want to, and we're like, whoa, 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 what happened here? Why, why? Hey, what are we doing? We're the first ones who are supposed to, our, we are the ones who give our children and grandchildren their identity initially, and we're supposed to direct them to Christ to fulfill that identity. And then lastly, Christians, will you be Jesus to those that God brings your way? Will you be willing to sit with somebody day in, day out, month in, month out, maybe even year in, year out, to just get to know who they are and to show them that God loves them, just like Jesus showed us that God loves us. Because again, as I said at the beginning, John 17, Jesus says, may my, my joy be in them and may it be made full or complete. 
If you want to know what it feels like and what it means to follow Christ, then follow Him. Do what He says to do, no matter how fearful you may feel or inadequate you may feel, because it's right then that God jumps in and gives you the words to say, the response that's needed, and you're like, wow, God, that was awesome. And when you start doing that in your life, you're not going to want to stop. Because in that is life. In that is completed. In that is the joy of the Lord.